Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Ye Must Be Born Again. Please be sure to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our Bible study resources, our previous episodes, and much, much more. Our passage for this study is Romans 8, 5 through 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Before we get into this short study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word this way. We ask you to be with us. Forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and help us to rightly divide your words of truth. Give us wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Romans 8, 5 through 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Ye must be born again. I read something this week which is pretty interesting, and I'm going to share a portion of it, less, less than a paragraph. But listen to this. Unconverted sinner, how can you expect to enter heaven? You would not be happy there. A swallow enjoys the air, and a cow the meadows, but a fish would soon languish there and die. There must be adaptation. Music charms those alone who have an ear for it. Books are no treat to those who dislike reading, and society is only pleasant when it is congenial. A clown would not feel at ease at court. The ignorant cannot enjoy the company of the learned. The profligate do not love the society of the virtuous. And just so, the ungodly cannot take pleasure in religion. Very interesting premise, but it is, it's borne out by the fact that as sinners, we have an inclination toward things that are not of God. And as a result we would be unable to enjoy or endure the things of God. Now, a lot of people are turned off from the idea of living forever primarily because they think of living forever in the context of how they live their lives now. So when you talk to someone who does not necessarily have a religious background or who does not see themselves as spiritual or religious at this particular point, and you give them this view, this perspective of living eternally, 
in an atmosphere that is pure and holy, all they're going to be thinking of is, I can't do X, I can't do Y, I can't do Z, it's going to be boring forever, I'd rather die. And that's probably one of the reasons why in evangelism, we should make greater effort to have people fall in love with Jesus and then they'll want to be with him, right? Then it won't matter so much what they're doing. Um, and there's a lot to do. The Bible tells us that. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. So there's a lot to do. The fact that we aren't sure what it is in advance doesn't mean anything. And a true follower of Christ will ultimately want to go to heaven to be with Jesus, to be with God, to spend time with those who have watched over them in the course of this life, who have guided their every steps. Imagine meeting the angels who have had responsibility for protecting us, for guiding us, for suggesting the right paths, uh, for encouraging us in the right direction, for uh, helping to prevent us from going down wrong paths. These are all awesome things, and they're just a taste of what will be involved. We have no idea, but we're not going to want to participate in any of that if our lives, if our hearts are not changed. We have to be born again. When we're born, we are bestowed a legacy, some good, some bad, but we're bestowed a legacy certain tendencies, certain inclinations, certain predilections come with the package of heredity. In addition to nature, which is the heredity side, there's nurture. So we grow up in an environment and uh, for good or for evil, we are taught and led in particular directions. And what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when he was discussing this with him, Jesus was pointing out that your first birth, your natural birth, gave you certain, um, bestowed upon you a certain legacy. And while there are things you can do to change your trajectory after the fact, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again and receive a different legacy. And that's what the new birth is. That's what the regeneration is. That's the promise that we're given in the Bible that we can have a new heart, right? In Psalm 51, David prays, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We have to have a change of trajectory. We have to have a different set of things that we aspire to, that we desire, that we focus on. Now, the interesting thing about the new birth is that it grants unto us a new nature, a spiritual nature, but it does not completely eliminate the old nature, which is still present. Baptism is a symbol of the dying of the old and the implementation of the new, right? The birth of the new, the dying of the old, the birth of the new. But we do have... There is some wrestling that goes on, and Paul speaks about that in, 
in Romans 7 and 8. There is some wrestling that goes on because the old nature has to be di- has to be died, has to die daily. Right? Christ talked about pick up the cross daily. Paul talked about dying daily. We have to die daily. Every day there has to be this recommitment to the path. Because until we're given a glorified body, there's going to be this wrestling or potential for wrestling that goes on where the old nature, the human carnal nature wants to do certain things and is trying to assert itself. And the spiritual nature wants to do different things. And so who we give consideration to, who we listen to, is will determine which direction we go. So in Romans 8, 5 through 8, Paul says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Right? So those who are worldly, carnal-minded, non-religious, they, they're just, they're living life, they're born, they move about, they're living life the way they feel that life should be lived. They mind the things of the flesh, of this planet, temp- the temporal and temporary things. That's their focus. But those who are after the Spirit, those who have been born again, mind the things of the Spirit. That's where their focus is. Now, we are still human beings. We need to live on this planet. We need to work. We need to eat. We need to do things that are temporal and temporary, but they are not our focus, right? It's the difference in the phrase between living to eat and eating to live. Both of those statements discuss the consumption of food, but one is consuming food so that it can can accomplish other things. And the other, it is the consumption of food which represents the greatest accomplishment. And so we need to be in the world. We are in the world. Don't need to be in the world, but we are in the world. But we should not be of the world. So the things that we do here that are carnal or secular, right? And that's an important point. Carnal does not always mean wicked. It often means wicked, but it does not only mean wicked. Carnal simply means not spiritual. And it's not everything that is not spiritual that is bad. It's just not spiritual and shouldn't be the focal point. Right? So our work should not be the focal point. It can be. Our, our, even, even our families should not be the focal point. Our families should be secondary to God because in God, all other relationships are properly fulfilled. Right? It can seem counterproductive, but it's not. So Romans 8 goes on. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Right? If our life is focused on earthly things, even if they're not bad earthly things, even if it's not to excess, it's still a problem because this planet is subject for destruction. It's going to burn up. 
and the only safety is in Christ. And if we ignore that, if we let every other consideration dominate our thought process, we could be the most noble and generous and thoughtful and kind person, but outside of Christ, that will not leave us anywhere but a, a better death than many. Right? So car being carnally minded, focusing on the, on the earthly and the temporary, it will lead ultimately to death because it does not lead to life. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And then here's a very critical statement. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And then he closes with, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Very powerful statement. The carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind fights against God. It is in opposition to God. Which makes sense because the law of God says that God must be first in the life. Right? He must be first. We have to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. If we're not doing that, we're in opposition to him. If we're loving him with some of our strength and some of, we're in opposition. There's no difference between a person who's loving God partially and one who doesn't love God at all, other than potentially the hypocrisy of the first party. Right? And remember... To be clear, there are only two sides, right? So ultimately, ultimately, everyone is going to be either for God or against him. There are only two sides. But those sides don't necessarily manifest themselves on day one. Which is to say, as we go about life today, there are many people who are not religious, who don't have a religious or spiritual perspective, who are not fighting with God actively they're not in rebellion to him they may not know him okay we we tend to think of the atheist as someone who has taken a definitive position against god but they can also be someone who was brought up with no knowledge of god and simply doesn't have one doesn't think of that and therefore they're not on god's side but they're not opposing him either because they don't realize that there are only two teams at a point where there become only two teams and you must choose which of those teams you're on, then the decision becomes a little bit more stark and folks are either going to have to choose for God or against him. But prior to that, there are plenty of people going about who, who do not necessarily understand about God in that context. There are people who as surprising as it may seem, have not grown up with an understanding or expectation of God. Okay, So the idea that if you don't accept God today, you are automatically fighting against him is not necessarily accurate. Will it be accurate at some point in time? Certainly. Is it accurate automatically now? No. Having said that, the carnal mind is in opposition to God. It doesn't have to be active opposition. It can be passive opposition, but it is in opposition to God. 
and it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now, that seems strange because there's some places in the Bible that tell us that the law is made for a righteous man. Right? And that's what this is suggesting, that the law is made for a righteous man. And then there are other places that say that the law judges the wicked, you know, so therefore they need to understand it, otherwise how are they ever going to turn from their wickedness or know that they need to be turned? But in this verse, when you look at the context of not just this chapter, but, but Romans 7, the carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God, not because it is exempt from the law of God, but because it cannot submit to the law of God. Right? Not subject here, means there's, there is no way for us to follow the law of God in our own strength, by ourselves. We can't do it. We need the grace of God in order to obey the law of God. And how is someone who doesn't believe in God, doesn't accept God, and either passively or actively rejects God, how are they going to trust God to give them strength and obedience? They're not. And because they aren't, they can't be subject to it. They can't, because it's not something we could do on our own. And because of that, they cannot please God. Because it is by faith and obedience through faith whereby we please God. And if you don't believe in God, it's not possible to do the other two things. There can be no faith in God without a belief in God. And as James points out, even the devils believe and tremble. So mere belief alone does not rise to the level of faith and does not guarantee that faith in God exists. In order for us to like God and to like what God likes, we need a new heart. We need regeneration. We must be born again. Because if we aren't, we won't. heaven would be torture to us. We won't be able to endure what are glories to some, but would be terrible to others. I grew up uh, listening to and liking classical music. But I know a lot of people who can't stand classical music. And it, it's the most soothing thing. It's really, I mean, not every classical musical piece is soothing, but many of them are. But there are people who go stir-crazy listening to it and can't deal with it. And so if you promise those people, oh, I can give you a year's supply of classical music, you would be torturing them, even if you meant well. Similarly, without a change in our heart, the promises of the second coming and life eternal in a land of peace and holiness and happiness is torture. There are people who will absolutely not go to heaven simply because they couldn't imagine going to heaven and they wouldn't surrender them, their hearts to God because they can't imagine being happy in the way that the Bible describes happiness. And that's a shame. And that's a shame because they're going to lose a lot. I mean, how do you, how do you measure the loss of the eternal? they're going to lose an infinite amount. They will suffer infinite 
loss. How about that? I don't think you can say amount and infinite. They're going to suffer infinite loss. We must be born again. You must be born again. If you desire heaven, then that is the course that you need to take. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's endeavor to have our hearts changed, to have a new birth that is refreshed daily so that we will love not only God, but the things that God loves. And we will be preparing our hearts to align with the things that his heart is aligned with. And we will be willing to be subject to the law of God so that we can please God because they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for the new birth. We thank you for the sacrifice that made it all possible. And we ask you to help us to change our trajectory from one that is at enmity with you to one that is in harmony with your will. Please bless us and help us to meditate on this and to grow daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at aspzone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.